I would invite you to remain standing just for a bit longer, but also invite you to take a Bible and turn to James chapter 3. If you'd like to use a Bible from the church, you could uh, grab one of those. It should be right in front of you in that pew rack. Turn to page 1012. Otherwise, James chapter 3. This morning, I want us to consider primarily verses 14 through 16. But I think it would be helpful to go ahead and begin reading at verse 13 and read down through verse 18, kind of taking the whole unit there. So James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. This is God's word for us this morning. And here's what God says. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct... Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is a treasure, a gift to us. Everything everything that it says is true. And our prayer is that for these next few moments, that you would be worshipped by how we receive your word and how we let it soak into our hearts and souls, and how by your Spirit you transform us in accordance with this word. So please work in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this unit that we're currently making our way through in James, it really began in verse 1 of chapter 3. He began kind of talking about the tongue, the way we talk and speak to each other. And uh, now, beginning in verse 13, last week, we've pivoted slightly. We've not shifted gears completely, uh, but instead of talking about the tongue, he's really gone more interior and talking about uh, the heart and the, the need for wisdom to seize our hearts Uh, so that the words we do speak are words that reflect God's wisdom, words that honor the Lord and not tear each other apart. So last week we began to look primarily at verse 13, and and this this current subunit uh, is discussing wisdom. And um, last week he He led us off by that question, who is wise and understanding among you? And I warned you then, don't answer out loud. For a couple of reasons. The first reason he gave last week. 
because he doesn't want a verbal answer. He doesn't want us to say we have wisdom. He wants us to show we have wisdom. Let him show it by his good conduct in the meekness of wisdom. And so by our demeanor and by our deeds, by our attitude and by our action uh, is how we answer the question if we have any wisdom and understanding uh, uh, among, among us. Now this morning, building upon that, in verses 14, 15, and 16, he's really going to discuss uh, the lack of wisdom, or even if you wanted to say what false wisdom consists of. Um, and so, but I'll take it under the notion that, that verses 14, 15, and 16 reflect a lack of wisdom in our, our lives. And two things I, I want to note about this lack of wisdom. They're there as an insert if you want to follow along, if that's helpful to you. But first of all, we want to spend some time, in fact, we'll probably spend the most amount of time just exploring what I'm going to call a reason for lacking wisdom. And then secondly, we'll touch on just probably more briefly a result of lacking wisdom. Look at the second half of verse 14 again, 14b, where he just says at the tail end of verse 14, do not boast and be false to the truth. I think he's really picking up on the question he asked from verse 13 last week. Who is wise and understanding among you? Don't say it, show it. Show it uh, by our good conduct. Show it in the humility or meekness of that sort of wisdom. Don't, don't boast. Hey, looky here, folks. You see this? This is wisdom right here. You know, I got me some wisdom. Can't y'all tell? Why, why y'all shaking your heads? But, but uh, that was he said, that's, that's boasting. In fact, that's the antithesis of true wisdom, which is meek and gentle and humble. I know this might blow our, our cultural categories, but you can't take a selfie promoting your wisdom. If you've got wisdom, the one thing you ain't got is a whole lot of boasting in the Lord. You know what I mean. But, but, but you ain't got a whole lot, you don't have a whole lot of self-boasting, self-promotion, self-aggrandizement. Did I get that word out correct? Well, that's pretty good, ain't it? I should, let me boast about that for a second. But anyway, uh, but... You, you can't. And in fact, he says, if you, if, if you go boasting about your wisdom, you're false to the truth. You're lying. You ain't got it. By virtue of the fact that you're bragging about it. And then he gives, going back to the first part of verse 14, he gives what, what I think would be, well, so then why, why don't we have wisdom? Why would, what would explain why someone like you and I, who dress up real nice, I mean, we look pretty good on Sunday, don't we? Uh, why is it that someone you, like you and I uh, could possibly lack wisdom? And he makes this flattening statement. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts. First of all, let me clear out the easiest part to clear out. When he says, if, it would probably be better for that to be read since. 
sense you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Now, I'm not trying to change the scripture, but, but, but in the language that James writes, there's, there's different kinds of conditional clauses. Some if clauses mean if you do, and I doubt that you do, and some if clauses mean if you do, and we both know you do. Uh, and and that's, that's the one he's using here. Uh, so, so since you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, in your hearts, interesting that he's locating the issue. He's gone from the tongue, verses 1 through 12, because even then, all along, we kept inching this way. We'd say, now, the, the, tongue, the tongue only says what the heart directs it to say. And, and so, so now we're, we're in the interior part. We're talking about our souls, the, the, uh, the source of our words, the, the, the influencer, the determiner of our tongues. And so our words come from within, from within our hearts, our souls. And when the Bible speaks of the word heart, and I know this is Valentine's Day and oh, not, well, in two days it's Valentine's Day. So anyway, this is Valentine's week. So, uh, so we're all going to be I hearten each other this week. And, and, and we, we commonly associate in our culture heart with emotions. Oh, I heart you. Uh, and, and, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to single-handedly pick a fight with our culture. But yet, biblically, when the Bible uses the word heart, it's not just the seat of emotions. In fact, the heart is really the central central control and command center of our lives, of our souls. All of our thoughts come out of our heart. All of our affections come out of our heart. All of our choices come out of my heart, our hearts. Uh, and so he's saying where there is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition percolating around in the command and control center of our hearts. Now let's pick those two words apart for a second, the two phrases at least, uh, bitter jealousy. Now, in the Bible, the word jealous or even the word zealous is, is not automatically a bad word. In the book of Numbers, we're actually told a guy named Phineas was jealous for the Lord. And, and what that meant is he, he sought to, to purify the Israelites against disobedience to the Lord. And even the scriptures themselves tell us that, that God himself says, I am a jealous God. Uh, to be zealous or jealous, on the one hand, is just to want something. To, to even, if you would, go after it or to strive to keep it. So when God says he's a jealous God, what that means is that we can count on the permanence of his covenant love. He, he, he's not fickle. He doesn't like loves me today and then doesn't love me tomorrow. No, no, his, his love is durable. He, he, he desires to have a people. He, he loves us and that love is a keeping, guarding love. That's a good thing. And yet our context here, by adding another word in front of zealous or jealous, reminds us that we're not talking about that good kind of thing. We're talking about a bitter or bad kind of zealousness or 
our jealousy. We're, we're talking about wanting something that is forbidden to want. We're, we're, we're talking about working to get something or clinging to keep something that is bad for us to have. It's a bitter jealousy. It's a, it's a bad zeal. Maybe some translations might even word it that, that way. In other words, we're, we're beyond the realm of propriety. We're beyond the realm of wanting that which is good and holy and godly. For instance, I think we're, we're wired by God. He's a relational God. We're wired by God to, to want human relationship, even to want human physical intimacy. And, and, and so we can be zealous or jealous for that in a good and holy way, and yet we can be zealous and jealous for that in, in a bitter, bad, unholy, ungodly, wicked way. If we try to experience that human intimacy and that human relationship in a way that violates God's good commands for us, God's good ordering of our lives for us. So in this case, this bitter jealousy is, I want something that the scripture, that God himself forbids me to have. And I'm going to grab a hold of something that the scripture tells me not to grab a hold of. And that's, there's something in our hearts that's operating that way. The command and control center of our souls still has bitter jealousy operating in it. Secondly, not only is there still resident bitter jealousy, but there's still resident selfish ambition. Again, ambition just in and of itself is, is not a, a bad thing. Aspiring to, to acquire something, uh, aiming to do something, eager to perform something, having gumption, to get a job? I know that culturally it gets, it'll get me in trouble, but that's a good thing, by the way. It, be ambitious to work. It's a good thing, by the way. But we're not talking about that sort of ambition. We're talking about a selfish ambition, a an ambition that what is driving us to aspire or to aim or to be eager or, or, or to, uh, to reach out for is it's underscored by a selfish motivation, a purely selfish motivation. I, I would be ambitious for one reason alone, not for human good, not for the glory of God, but, but for the good and glory of moi. French word, since this is Valentine's Day. Toujours l'amour, but anyway. Um, do, 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 so percolating inside of our hearts are things like 
bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And, and, and what James is telling us is that to the extent those things are running rampant in our hearts is to the extent that we are lacking wisdom. In fact, we're going to show real quickly that we are lacking wisdom. One other thing I would say about what's percolating around in our hearts, I've already maybe bumped into this or implied this, is that in a sense, part of what he's contrasting here is on the one hand in verse 13, let, if we do have any wisdom, then let's show it by our way of life, by our good deeds in the meekness or humility of, of wisdom and, um, and then he pivots and says, now don't be going boasting. Or where, for where there is selfish ambition and where there is bitter jealousy, there is also pride, self-exaltation, arrogance, hubris, however you want to whatever your favorite word is. In a sense, the, 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 the ungodly passions of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, they grow in a heart soil of pride and arrogance and hubris. They never grow in a soil that is meek and gentle. And humble. In other words, what, what James is saying here is that uh, uh, this sort of uh, where b- bitter jealousy and selfish ambition exists, then there's a, there's a creed that goes with that. There's a confession of faith, if you would, that's accompanied that. And, and can, it's pretty short and sweet. It gets to the point, but I will take care of myself and I will do what I want. See, that sounds like an American. Well, we didn't invent that. We, you know, just come from a long line of humanity uh, that has had uh, festering pride, which feeds, which is the soil that feeds bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. So, well, how much of that stuff do you think you and I have in our hearts? Hard to say. Hard to say on one level. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, reminds us the heart is deceitful above all things. In other words, Jesus can't find anything more deceitful than the human heart. It's deceitful above all things and desperately sick. and It, it needs help. Massive. And then he says, who can understand it? Do you understand your heart? This is rhetorical, but do I think I understand my heart? I understand what the scripture tells me about it. It's deceitful and it's desperately sick and and that it's beyond my complete understanding. I do do know that much. Um, And so what that means is, so, so how much... How much, how much pride and bitter 
jealousy and selfish ambition that we bring with us to church this morning. Even those of us who gather here this morning who are born again, in other words, the Spirit has given us new life, and, and we attest to that new life by confessing to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But even us who have been given new life, and what that really means is that we've been given new hearts by the Holy Spirit, and the introduction of new hearts into our souls uh, begins to evidence itself with New desires and new affections and new inclinations. But, but still, even those of us who have been given new hearts by the Holy Spirit, by which we have believed in Jesus, there's still remaining vestiges and remnants of our old hearts. That stuff won't completely get chased out until Jesus returns and we receive the final installments of our redemption and salvation. And so in the meantime, there is a hot mess going on in there. The Spirit of God has given us a new heart with, with, with godly desires, with godly affections, with godly inclinations, and yet there's still, while it's no longer um, the dominating power, it's no longer the, the, the identity of our souls and our lives, we still have uh, old desires. We still have ungodly passions. We still have wicked inclinations. None of that is no longer our master. By the grace of God, Jesus is now our master. He's now our good king. He now gets out in front of us and leads and directs and instructs and commands. Those are all good things. And, and yet he's out there leading and, and there's still this internal um, conflict in our hearts. In fact, just... Peeking ahead just for a second, we're not there yet, but, but in a sense, when James comes to chapter 4, he's going to come back and recollect some of the things he's talking about right now, about arrogance and bitter jealousy and, and selfish ambition that percolates around in our hearts and, and how of that, uh, the outcome of that in terms of the horizontal way we live our lives. He says, look at verse 1 of chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? If you're, if you're a, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been given the new heart, your new heart and your old heart, or I would say the remaining remnants or vestiges of that whole old heart, um, they are at war. You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You want some of this? I mean, I mean we, that's no big threat, is it? But anyway, if it was, you'd be scared, I know. But um, So how much pride, and how much bitter jealousy, how much selfish ambition... 
did I bring with me today? I would say it fluctuates. And I would suggest to you that what you and I do with our eyes What you and I do with our ears have a profound shaping, influencing impact upon what is percolating most predominantly in our hearts and our lives. Our our eyes and our ears supply influences. They are They are either feeders or they can serve as starvers. They they can be gatekeepers, forbidding access to our hearts. Or they can be floodgates, granting wide access to our hearts. The things we set our eyes on. The images that we linger after. Open the floodgates of our hearts and shape and influence our hearts. They either help our hearts maintain a spirit of meekness so that by our good conduct, We can make known through our good deeds a life that is coming out of that heart posture or the things that we would set our eyes upon, the images that we would place in front of us, throw open the the gate and they influence our hearts to flourish with pride and to fester with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Just our eyes, but our ears. I'm going to promise you I'm not going to sing that little kid song here in a second. But, uh, but, I, but part of me wants to. So. But I've promised I wouldn't. So, so but, but now that thought is in your head, and now you're going to have to battle that. So it's your problem now. It's not mine. So, uh, But see, but you just heard something, didn't you? I, you heard an idea. You, you heard a thought and, and, and now I've, I've directed your heart to trail off. You're not even listening to me no more. You're singing that song in your head. You know, get back over here. Uh, it, 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 why? Because that shows you how influential even not just the visuals are, but the information is. It shapes our hearts. It influences our hearts. By what you and I look at, by what you and I listen to, and the one-two combo punts by what you and I look at and listen to simultaneously, that's either starving bitter jealousy and selfish ambition or it is feeding bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. This ain't no Switzerland. The things we look at and the things we listen to are not neutral. Otherwise, they wouldn't spend a gazillion dollars on 30-second commercials this afternoon. But you still go to, but Joe, 
But how much debt do I got? No, but, but to whatever extent we have any of that, Paul would tell us in Colossians, put to death whatever is earthly in you. That brings us back to James 3, where he says that this kind of wisdom or lack thereof that breeds with selfish ambition and bitter jealousy that is built upon the, 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 the chassis of hubris and pride, uh, this, is, this, is not, this, does, this is not wisdom from above in verse 15. This is, this is earthly and unspiritual and demonic, in fact. Where bitter jealousy and selfish ambition exists, those are expressions of a worldly, demonic, unspiritual orientation. A worldly, demonic, unspiritual heart posture. We don't even understand the half of it, perhaps. Because who can understand the heart? And yet, we have been given a wonderful gift. And one of the gifts that we've been given is, the, is an aid to better look at that which is maybe perhaps not fully understandable, but an aid to help us to better understand the amount of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition might still be circulating around. We've been given the word. I am an avid reader. I, I, would, I, I would like to read if I'm standing on my head or if I'm, if I'm laying down or if I'm walking. I, sometimes I'll get my steps by, by holding a book and walking. Now, one of these days, I'm going to come in here with a black eye and a bloody nose. I just know I am because I'm not paying attention to where I'm walking. But, but, I, I, but that's okay. I'll run the risk because I like to read. But I'm here to tell you and this may be helpful to you, hopefully it won't be a discouragement to you, but as avid of as a reader as I am, there is a huge difference between reading books and reading the Bible. There's a heaviness to reading the Bible. It ain't like no other book. And I know that sounds sophisticated, but there, there is nothing quite like the Scripture. It alone has God's imprint and inspiration and stamp on it like no other book has. And, and there's lots of good books that even point us to the Lord. But there's only one book from the Lord. And I think part of the reason why it's so heavy and weighty to read the Bible, even for those of us who love to read, is, is well, Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, my goodness. You see that? I'm reading and I'm getting cut. He goes, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The reasons why it's heavy to read the scriptures is because when we read the scriptures, the scriptures get in our grill. The scriptures begin to say, hey, Joe, come here, I want to show you something. You see that? Yeah, yeah, I see that. That's, uh, that's David. That's Moses. That's uh, Samuel. That's, uh, that's Daniel. That... No, Joe. No, Joe. That's... I'm talking to you. I'm helping you to see what I've known all along, and that is 
there's still bitter jealousy and selfish ambition percolating around in your heart. It's my kindness to wield the sword, not for the purpose of hurt, but for the purpose of good surgery. So if we want to know how much of that stuff is still festering, an important way to discern that is we have to be people who dive into the book. The second thing I want to say, this is quicker, I promise. A result of lacking wisdom. And uh, there, I mean, it's pretty, pretty plain and simple. It looks a lot like a... Um, uh, a um, Hollywood an awards show, music awards show. But anyway, um, it, he, he says there, but where he, go, maybe he goes back in verse 18 and revi- revisit, I mean, verse 16, and he revisits where he started with, but, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about the truth and be false. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That stuff inside of us that we can't even fully understand, that we can't even fully see, it has a way of showing out. There are results from a heart posture of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, and the results are disastrous. There will be disorder. Literally, the Part of what is connoted by that notion of disorder is there will be tumultuousness. There will be instability. Now, I don't think it's restricted to this, but just take a look at our emotional self. Um, take a look at the range of emotions uh, that percolate around in us that... that occur in our body, even manifest themselves in, 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 in bodily ways uh, and, and yet seize our hearts and, and grab a hold of us. And, 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 and yet, emotions are not ultimate in our soul. Emotions are expressions of what is ultimate in our soul. Emotions come from somewhere. Where do they come from? They come from what's percolating around in the posture of our hearts and where there is selfish ambition and bitter jealousy percolating around in our hearts. There will be one heck of a chaotic, emotional, hot mess spilling over. Not not just... Emotional expressions of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, but, but also behavioral expressions. Every kind of evil practice. Every kind. Any kind of evil that we could think, think up, we're capable of. Any kind of meanness that could be envisioned, we can implement it. Why? Because all of that stuff, every sort of disorder and every vile practice, 
originates, not outside of us. It doesn't originate because of the neighborhood we grew up in. It doesn't originate because of the social economic stratus that we come from. It doesn't originate because of our ethnicity or our, our, our bank account. It doesn't come from any of that. All of those things can have shaping influences on any of that, but where it comes is what is postured utmost in our hearts and where there is pride uh, that is the soil for bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, then there is the capability of you and I doing anything imaginable and then some. And so if we don't want to go there, we don't want to be the kind of person who is practicing every kind of evil and meanness, then we have to back way up and deal with the And if we don't deal with the heart, then what we bring into marriage is hearts full of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Tell me how that's going to work. Because I guarantee you, not only did you bring it into the marriage, but that spouse you married brought it into the marriage. And if that's not the worst formula, the only thing worse than one person bringing bitter, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition into the marriage is that we both bring it into the marriage. That's just hypothetical in my case. But, but theoretically, if you both bring it in there, then you, well, you bring it into the church. That the worship of God and the advancement of God's purposes gets sidetracked because... Somebody or somebodies has done up and brought their bitter jealousy and their selfish ambition to church with them. And that destroys their relationships. Well, I'll close with this. How do we get out of this mess? Well, I keep going back to what James said in chapter one. Humbly receive the word that is planted in you. The truth of the gospel, the message that the scriptures teach us concerning who Jesus is and what he has done is our only hope and remedy. This Jesus who has lived a perfect life, who has died as a perfect substitute, whom God raised from the dead, who is now Lord, and any and all who call upon Jesus shall be saved. And and yet the the constituency of that salvation is such that not only do we receive a full, final, and complete pardon of our sin, but we also receive the grace of the Holy Spirit, which is new power to begin to uproot and put to death and put down the the vices of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and to cultivate in place of those the virtues of Christ's humility and love and joy and peace. And so, so the only remedy that we have, both in terms of our pardon and in terms of the power to conquer it, the only hope that we have to conquer the bitter jealousy and selfish ambition of my hearts is to see with the eyes of the Spirit and to hear with the ears opened up by the Spirit that God's love better than life itself, that nothing can quiet and settle the heart quite like the love of Jesus shown to us at the cross.
So thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for what your word says to us as it opens our eyes to what we can see of ourselves. But then thank you that you don't just leave it there, that you open our eyes afresh so that we see that the grace of Christ is even more lovely, more beautiful, more powerful, more life-changing than our bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Thank you, Father, for delivering us. Thank you for delivering us from ourselves. For we pray this in Christ's name.